0: My message this morning is called, A Fake is Cheaper, But Never as Good. A fake is cheaper, but never as good. See, fakes are everywhere. I'm not totally fashion conscious, as you might be able to say. (laughs) He laughed, Chelsea. Straight up, there you go. Yeah, as soon as my mum stopped dressing me, I fell into a bit of trouble last year. Uh, So... You laugh, but it's so true. When my mum buys me clothes, it's normally a good pick. When I buy clothes, it doesn't end so well. But fakes are everywhere. Fakes are everywhere. And, and the thing about fakes is some are pretty close and some just aren't close at all. Like we've all seen the spelling mistakes on good brands and uh, all of that sort of thing, but some actually come pretty close to the real thing. And look, some might actually seem better than the real thing but as soon as you figure out that that really, really expensive handbag, obviously I've got a few, uh, uh, isn't the real one, all of a sudden, if you're concerning laughs there, that's, that's right, I don't have a collection of handbags. Uh, when you find out it's like that it's a fake, all of a sudden the value of that item drops. Even if it is a reasonably good bag, there's something in the name, there's something in the brand, there's something in the the fact that it's the real deal. One thing's sure, though, with fakes, they're always cheaper. Some try to pass off as the real thing and sell for just as much. But when you find out the true nature of the thing, the value decreases. I, I went for a trip to Thailand uh, 2012. It seems sort of slipping further and further back. But 2012... Me and a mate decided to go to Thailand, and two weeks later, we were going, and we had a friend over there, so we were staying with them and seeing the country. It was fantastic. But uh, my, my friend over there lives in Bangkok, and we wanted to do some shopping as well as some sightseeing, and he says to me, Nathan, now, you don't want to buy anything in the stalls on the street. You, like We'll go through, we'll pass some stalls. Even if you see something, you do like, don't, don't get anything just yet, because I'll take you to where the really good fakes are, the really good, not quite, but better than the things here. And I thought, that's an interesting concept. There's actually places where you can go where the good fakes are. So, you've got the bad fakes, and then you've got the good fakes. And me needing a new wardrobe, I thought, okay, that's, that's okay. So, we go and have a look at these items, and I think, well, gee, they're not, they don't look too bad. They, they look pretty spot on, and I need a new wardrobe. Uh, so I bought a few things, but the thing that soon became apparent is they were still fakes. They were still very much not quite the real thing. They, they faded faster, they wore out faster, they sort of diminished in quality very, very, very quickly. Uh, but they were the good fakes. See, fakes will always be fakes, and they will never be as good as the real thing. And it's similar with our spiritual walk. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he gets us to buy into some fakes, he's meeting his targets. If the enemy comes and convinces us to buy into certain things and certain habits and certain ways of thinking, then he's actually meeting his targets of stealing, killing, and destroying our relationship with God the Father who loves and wants us to reciprocate that love. Now, some things aren't doing so good at being fake. See, murder's not doing a great job of seeming like a good idea, hopefully, for most of us. But then others actually get so close to the real thing, it's, it's kind of scary, and, and it almost becomes hard to tell the two apart. And this morning, we're going to be looking at what we'll call this morning a religious spirit. See, the religious spirit is actually a fake that looks very, very similar to the real deal. But let me tell you, it's far from the full value. Far from. So, we're going to be jumping around the Gospels this morning, having a look at some of Jesus' teaching. We're going to start off in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. If you'd like to turn there with me this morning. Because we'll soon see that this particular fake is is a hard one to spot. It's a hard one to tell apart from the real deal. Let's see how we go this morning. Verse 23, and I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase as we jump through, but Jesus is walking through some grain fields and His disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain in the Sabbath? I don't get the Pharisees. Jesus is walking through a field and it's almost like they just pop out of the grass. They're following everywhere. The ninja Pharisees somehow just tailing Jesus. And as soon as he does something, out of the grass they come. So they, they call him out. They call out Jesus saying, why are your disciples doing this? And he says, well, don't you remember that time that David actually did the same thing? He walked into the temple, grabbed some food because he was hungry. The sacred food that he wasn't allowed to eat, and then he gave it to his mates as well because they were hungry. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And then he says something profound, and this is where we spot the fake. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So, we've got two things here. The Sabbath was made for man, or the man was made for Sabbath. Those are the two concepts. One's a fake. But see how close they were. See how close they are. So, let's pull that apart a little bit because we see here that Jesus was pointing out that God's love is for people and his focus was on people, so God out of his love designed the Sabbath a day of rest for his people. so God loves people, therefore he made the Sabbath and then the the response from his people then is out of our love for God we accept the Sabbath the gift of the Sabbath, all that the Sabbath is and I, I don't I'm not going to be getting too much into the teaching of of the, 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 the importance of the Sabbath, but there's something about rest that's actually a gift from God. And if you haven't looked into that concept of rest, uh, I encourage you to. Pastor Rob's uh, spoken many messages on, on that concept of rest and the importance of rest. But uh, uh, what we see here, what I want to pull apart in, through the scriptures, is Jesus keeps coming back to this idea of the Sabbath to actually address the religious spirit. And so we see here that God is pointing out that the Sabbath was made for man. God loves man, therefore the Sabbath, and therefore we love God, we accept and enjoy the Sabbath with Him. There's a relationship there. The love comes first. But then we put it on the flip side, and this is the Pharisee's point of view. The counter, the fake, suggests that God's love for the rules is the focus over the relationship with people, which in turn causes people to focus on the rules to get to God. So, we'll flip it around a little bit. The first one, follow if you're following, God loves people, therefore the Sabbath. Our response is, we love God, therefore we enjoy the Sabbath. The flip side is, God loves rules, so He made people to do them. And our response would be, we do the rules to then earn love from God. So close. But you can see how it's so different. One is void of relationship. It's void. It's works. It's, it's rules. It's, it's borders and lines. And God, you can't reach Him. You can't get to Him. He's, he's inaccessible. And it's totally and fundamentally wrong. And this fake is so close yet so far from the true heart of God, which is for relationship with his people. But here we have the Pharisees buying into the fake. The core characteristic of the Trinitarian God, where relationship is fully entangled in his very nature, is ripped out of the whole concept. And this is what really, to be honest, it just ticked Jesus off over and over and over again. But he keeps coming back, keeps trying to reveal. It's here we spot the fake of the religious spirit, the fake which gets us so focused on the rules, the, the stuff and the process that we lose sight of relationship with a loving Father. You don't have to turn there, but in John 14, 15, if you're taking notes, Jesus makes a comment that, if you love me, you will follow my commands. If you love me, you'll follow my commands. Now, let's take those two approaches that I was talking about earlier as lenses. So, we have the fake lens of the religious spirit, and then we have God's lens of love. If we look at that verse with a lens of a religious spirit, what do we see? We see a line that says, "If you love me, you're going to follow my commands It's an order it's a it's a it's it's something that we have to do, and you'd better follow my commands it's almost a threat. See, but if we wear the lens of love, if we, if, we lend, if we wear the lens of God Himself, then it sort of shifts a little bit. It becomes more of a factual statement of a cause and effect, where, God, where Jesus is purely saying, if you love me, you're going to follow my commands. If you love me, you're going to do it. It wasn't, a, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a directive, it was just a statement. I'm not worried, because if you love me, you're going to do it. Because if you love me, you see me. If you see me, you'll follow me. If you follow me, I'm not worried. So, you see what the fake robs us of. And yet, we walk the line so closely sometimes. It's so easy to look at these Pharisees and think, how dumb can they get and still breathe? Jesus is standing right there in front of them and they can't see it. They can't feel it. If I was there, So easy to do that. But there's a reason they bought that line, that that, that fake hook, line, and sinker. They were consumed with the pride that they they so often couldn't admit that their fathers and their fathers' fathers and their fathers' 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 fathers got it wrong. That's some embedded pride. But if I look at I grew up in church. My mum grew up in church. My dad was a rat bag. He got there eventually. But who's to say I'm any different if I grew up in the day, grew up with the rules, grew up with the have-tos, grew up with the need-tos? See, it's so easy to say, oh, those Pharisees. Pack of clowns jumping out of grain fields. But we walk a pretty close line sometimes. So, let's just, we're going to pull it apart. My upside down down notes. We're going to pull it apart. And we're going to keep reading into chapter three. But it's kind of, I get the picture of, I don't watch them so much anymore because I tend to get repetitive. But those shows of the secondhand shops and things where people bring in stuff and sort of say, oh, how much can I get from it? And then they get the expert in. You've got to love the good expert. They come in, they're just total nerds about whatever's on the table, and you just admire the passion. And you've always got those few who come in, bring something in, and they think, oh, you know, I want a couple hundred bucks for it. The expert comes in. This is actually worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Whoa. But then you get the dudes who go out and buy something expensive, and then they walk in, some awesome samurai sword or some antique gun or a book that was signed by some famous person. They bring it in, the expert comes in. There's like this moment of tension, then they go to ad break. But then they come back, only to find out that what they had wasn't quite real. Now, there's two types of people in that moment. Oh, darn. That's a shame. Can I get anything for it anyway? But then you have the few which makes the TV show most entertaining, excuse me, this is real. And look, if there's one thing I'm not going to argue with, it's going to be the experts on these shows, because they sort of know the facts and figures for years and years and years and years, and here's some guy who spent lots of money on an item who can't swallow the pride to accept that he wasted all of that money on an item. I kind of feel like the Pharisees are in the same boat as we read through these stories, where they've bought into this, they've sacrificed so much for this that they just can't shift. And the challenge for us today is not to be like them. Is not to be like them. But we're going to pull apart a couple of stories and see how we go. Even today, we need to be able to spot the fake within us. We need to be able to spot the fake. So I'll start reading in chapter 3 now of Mark. And Jesus went into the synagogue... Again, and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Still a little bit stuffy, so I apologize. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus's enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. I love Jesus sometimes, all the time. Then he turned to his critics and asked, "'Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, "'or is it a day for doing evil? "'Is is this a day to save life or to destroy it?' But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily. He was deeply saddened by their hardened hearts. Their hardened hearts. Then he said to them, "'Hold out your hand.' So the man held out his hand and it was restored." at once the pharisees went away and met with uh, the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus escalated pretty quickly there the hardened heart see one characteristic of this fake of the religious spirit is a hardened heart is a hardened heart jesus was angry and deeply saddened jesus of love was angry And deeply saddened. See, all those pictures that paint Jesus to be a wimp, I don't really like too much because Jesus was a carpenter who, if he was walking down the street, I would not want to mess with this guy. Side note, sorry. Jesus was angry and deeply saddened. Here he is bringing healing to this broken man who would have been looked down upon in his condition. Jesus' love incarnate was right there giving it out for free, and the leaders were so stuck in their ways, they were missing the very gift that was being offered to them as well. Here is a man, and it's a theme we're going to see over and over again today. Here is a man who is being restored by the love of Jesus, and these leaders are standing there telling them not to. How does that fit? How does that fit? Their stubborn hearts, stuck in their ways, totally shrouded in a religious spirit, were standing there hindering the love of God being given to someone who desperately needed it. We need to humble ourselves to realize that Jesus' way. Is the way, the truth, and the life, and our way without Him is lost. But that takes humility. That takes us getting on our knees and realizing that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it in our own strength, only in His. Jesus is not one of the guys you argue with because I can guarantee in the very definition of who He is, there's truth. You're not going to win those arguments, friends. (laughs) I've tried. Didn't win. Believe in your hearts that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that He died and rose again for you and you will be saved. Why do we do that? Because we need saving. Why do we need saving? Because we've all fallen short. See, to accept Jesus' way, we need to first realize ours is flawed. Ours is flawed. As I've said before, I've grown up in church and I still had to realize my way was flawed. I haven't had an overly rebellious season in my life, but I had to realize even in that, my way was flawed. Even if it was infused with good principles and friendliness and happiness and skipping through the meadows, it doesn't matter. My way is flawed. I need Jesus as desperately as someone who falls into the deepest, darkest addictions and depressions goes totally off the track. What does that even mean? It just means any way other than Jesus's. So if that's the case, I was off the track. We need Jesus because His way is the only way. Whether we've been in church for six months, one month, or 50 years, it doesn't matter. Jesus' way is the only way. And we need to remember that day in and day out. The Pharisees had been through training since they were 13. Here they would have been older men in the community. And they had lost their way even though they thought they were on the right one. Jesus' way is the only way. It seems simple, but it's so simple we lose it in the complexity of what we make things. Regardless of how it feels, how inconvenient, how unorthodox it looks, Jesus' way is always the way. And here we have a group of stubborn-hearted leaders that Jesus wasn't too happy with. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 13, and we'll look at another scenario. See, Jesus liked pointing out things on the Sabbath, because it was really easy to Annoy all the leaders. So, we're in verse 10. I'll read this one as we keep moving. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, He saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was... unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, He called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then He touched her and instantly she could stand up straight. How she praised God. I love that. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had outraged, that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. And he stood up and said, "'There are six days of the week for working,' he said to the crowd. "'Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath.'" We'll keep going. But the Lord replied, "'You hypocrites! Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water?' This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. You can hear the anger in his voice. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? This shames his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. See, there's two points here. He was indignant. This leader was outraged that Jesus would dare heal on the Sabbath. There's six days for that, and you do it on the one you shouldn't. (laughs) See, the religious spirit, another characteristic of this fake, is actually rebellion. Rebellion. This man was indignant. He was outraged at Jesus. That is how much he bought into this fake. His heart was not just stubborn, not just standing there saying, no, He was resisting and going against Jesus. He wasn't just standing there saying that's wrong in his own heart. He was actually rebelling and pushing back. Again, arguing with Jesus, not a good idea. But he was pushing back and saying, no, 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 we don't do that. Jesus was making the point Similar to the other story, here is a woman who suffered for 18 years, 18 years. Come back tomorrow because you can't be healed today. (laughs) See, the interesting thing about this rebellion, though, is he wasn't just fighting Jesus, he was trying to take the crowd with him. He stood up to the crowd and said, come back on those days. See, when we rebel, quite often that influences not just us, but others as well. And for Jesus, that becomes a little bit more serious. A religious spirit is blinded from the truth that the life that comes from Christ But a false a false piety, false righteousness tends, starts to creep in as we think that because we are upholding standards, we are doing the harder thing, the more righteous thing. When we buy into this rebellion, we actually try to correct Christ because we feel because we're holding up the standards. See, this leader was a leader of the synagogue, and, and he would have felt a a need to stand up for the rules, and that's a tough thing to do when everyone else wants to do the wrong thing, and I'm doing the hard thing. And... But when that creeps in, that false righteousness, we lose sight of what? Love and people. Again, it's the focusing on the rules because that's what gets God's attention, because we think God created uh, us to serve His rules. That's not how it works. We need to not just keep going our own way, rebelling against his leading. And I don't just mean before we give our lives to him. It's so easy to think, oh, yes, before I was saved, I was like that. It's like, no, 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 afterwards we can be equally (laughs) as like that. This man thought that he was following God's leading. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not us. The second thing this produces is hypocrisy. Another characteristic of the, this fake, the religious spirit. He shouted, you hypocrites, the love of a rule was moving these leaders to see a child of God remain in bondage from the enemy instead of a desire to see her restoration. Again, we see this false piety creep in, this false righteousness creep in, because we are upholding a standard. We, are, we think we are doing the harder thing, the more righteous thing. Let me tell you something. If your way does not see people loved regardless of any fact, you would be hard pressed to find any righteousness in it. I'll say that again. If your way does not see people loved regardless of any situational fact that includes history, that includes actions, that includes uh, what we perceive as required consequences. If our way does not see a person loved, regardless of any fact, you would be hard-pressed to find any righteousness in it. And I use absolute words there intentionally. (laughs) Jesus begged... For forgiveness for those who nailed Him to a cross and we as Christ followers feel justified to yell at someone who cuts us off on the highway. That one hurts. I don't like highways. (laughs) If someone walked in here right now shouting and screaming, pleading with me to pray because they were addicted to all kinds of drugs, wanted on arrest and half naked, would we be upset because they should wait till the end of the service to speak to the preacher? Would we be covering the eyes of our kids? Would we be sort of, ooh, don't do that? What's our reaction? Have we bought into a fake? If you can't tell, this has challenged me this week a lot. Are we in love with process? Because let me tell you something, friends, we do not come here for a service. We come here to gather as believers and celebrate the miracle that is salvation to celebrate the miracle that is Jesus' working uh, restoration power in our lives through the week. Not to tick a box, not to get it over and done with, and here's someone interrupting the preacher. I want to get out. I'm hungry. Accepting we are broken people, fully restored by His grace, not our actions... Allows us to realize that we are no different to the next person, and they can be fully restored just like us. When we realize that our only desire comes uh, becomes to see people loved with a kind of love that they were designed to receive but never have experienced yet, will we be a barrier that says, "Wait till the preacher's done," or will we be an open gate saying, "You need to receive the love of the Father"? Because I did, and it changed my life. Let's flick over to John chapter five. And this will be the last story I think. We've got time for. There's a few of these in here, and they all there's a few that fall on the Sabbath. I think as we go through the harmony of the gospel's devotionals this week, you'll touch on a few of these. And just make your observations of the characteristics of of this fake of the religious spirit, because I'm only touching on a few this morning. So we're in John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool of Bethesda. With five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches, One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? (laughs) I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected, of course. They said to the man who was uh, cured, you can't walk on the Sabbath. (laughs) Work, sorry, it says work. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. Stop sinning or something even worse will happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. The last thing I want to point out, and we see this in all of the stories, is a religious spirit robs of joy. Robs of joy. Robs it blind. All joy. Pull the plug. Gone. Here is a man. How many years? 38 years. That's 10 plus something years on me. That's a scary thing to think about. 38 years he had been sitting by this porch seeing other people get healed. 38 years of disappointment. 38 years of having no one around him. That's a long time. And here are these religious leaders that get mad at him for carrying a mat on the day that he gets healed after 38 years. How do you reckon that guy feels? He picked up his mat, he's strutting his stuff, he's feeling, checking out his new legs, thinking about leg day. I don't often think about leg day. This guy was. He's getting keen for it, and then he walks past the religious leaders, and he, these are probably people who had looked down on him his whole life, and he's sort of walking past saying, Check these out. And then they say, You can't do that. Whoa. I thought I was going to be accepted. I thought I was going to be loved. I thought I was going to be a part of the, the the crew and be able to go into the temple finally. And now these people that I would call my leaders are actually telling me, no, after 38 years. They were trying to settle him down. What has happened to you is actually wrong. His biggest joy, his biggest victory in his life has now been called wrong. Whoa. Love, gone. Joy, gone. Excitement, gone. Let me ask you a question. When you were first saved and you first experienced the love of Jesus, has much changed since then? Where's the joy? Where's the excitement? Where's the I get to go to church instead of the, should we go to church? I suppose we have to. I'm preaching to myself here, don't worry. (laughs) Where's the joy? Have we been robbed? Have we been robbed? We don't have to go to church because church isn't a building. We get to be the church. Amen? And there's something exciting in that. We come from our brokenness and all of a sudden we're invited into communion with a perfect God who created everything that we see and will ever see. That is exciting. There's a joy in that. There's wholeness in that. But the fake robs us. You shouldn't be happy in this breakthrough. You're actually in the wrong. You're not saved enough. You're not quite there yet, but you'll get there. See, we need to celebrate miracles of which salvation is one. If we lose the excitement for a lost soul coming home to the Father, which causes an absolute party in heaven, if that stops moving us to something, we have lost something. If that stops moving us to excitement, we've been robbed, and I dare say we might have bought into a fake. (laughs) I'm going to wrap up. A religious spirit idolizes the rules, the process over loving people. We fall in love with the security and the predictability of habits yet missed the point completely. Jesus took 613 laws and turned them into two, and both are love. It wasn't even go to church, read the Bible, pray, repeat. <laughs> Don't misquote me. Very important. But if we don't love people how Jesus loved people, believe and desire for restoration of all people, regardless of what flag they raise, regardless of where they've been, what they've done, if we don't share the hope that we have, love God Love people as you love yourself. If we do not do these things, if these things are not evident in our lives, we have bought a fake, friends. We have bought a fake. And that hurts. That takes humility to swallow. But we need to be asking ourselves day in, day out have I bought a fake or am I going after that love? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. It wasn't an order. I think it was just fact. If we love Jesus first, the distractions of a religious spirit fall away and we come truly into the life which he calls us to. But if how Jesus walked, how he talked, and how he loved people is not clearly evident in your lives, your everyday lives, my question to you is who or what are you worshipping? Because it is not Jesus. I'm preaching to myself just as much this morning. This is not something that you can have an answer to one day and you're set for life. This is a day in, day out transformation of our minds. As we become more and more like Christ... Is the way he walked, is the way he talked, is the way he loved people evident in our lives? Not just because we're nice people, but because we carry the answers to humanity. Because of Jesus within us, we hold the answers to humanity's problems. And we cannot afford to fall under the spell of have-to's because then we lose sight of the want-to's. And that is the birthing point of a religious spirit. When want-to's slowly become have-to's, which blinds and immobilizes the work of Christ through you. It doesn't stop the uh, the work of Christ, because he's bigger than that. But it does hinder the work of Christ through you and through me, if we buy into this fake. A tough word this morning... one that I'm still processing, one that I don't think I will ever not. But as a church, as His church, capital C, not just Bayside Church, but churches, the body of Christ, we need to realize how close this fake is, and we need to realize how to recognize it, and we cannot let it stop our love of people, full stop, and our love of God. Amen? As we all close our eyes and bow our heads this morning, I just want to ask, I'm just going to pray for two groups of people. The first, if this is your first time hearing about this sort of thing, let me tell you something. Jesus is love, the embodiment of love, and and He is the absolute answer. Some people do not represent Him well, but let me tell you something, He represents Himself pretty well, and He is love full stop. And if something's just beating on the inside of you and you're thinking, you know what, I actually need this for me, I want to give you the opportunity right now to respond and say, yes, Lord, I need you in my life. Come be Lord of my life. I give it to you. If that's you in this place this morning, why don't you just indicate to me by raising your hand right now? If anyone's here, says, Jesus, I need you for the first time or the first time in a long time. Amen. The second thing I want to pray for and I'm putting my hand up for this one is for an acute awareness of when I'm buying into a fake. See those experts at those shops, they studied. They looked at things, a lot of googling, a lot of digging through old pieces of paper, old photos and old books to actually find out the exact details of the exact object that's in their hand. If we do the same, if we're in the Word, if we're praying, it's not a have to, it's a want to, because then we become experts in actually seeing when Jesus is alive in our lives or whether we're buying into a fake. But we need to focus on Jesus and from that everything else will flow. So I'm not going to ask you to respond, I'm just going to pray. Pray. And if that's you and you, you just need a little bit of a wake-up call in your own life to actually think, you know what? I don't want to buy into a fake. I need Jesus and I want to show Him. Just hold that in your heart as I pray this morning. Lord God, I pray that we would not be a sleeping church so wrapped up in the processes and rules, Lord God. We do not want to be a people that get distracted by a religious spirit, Father. But I pray that you would awaken within us your love, Father, for people and your love for you, that it would ignite something within us, that we would follow you and we would follow your leading, not because we have to, but because we want to, Lord God. Because we love you, we are choosing to follow your commands, Father. And I pray that from that, fruit will come, that healing will come, that restoration will come. Lord God, change something within us, not to just be nice people, but to be Jesus followers in our walk, day in, day out. Lord God, I pray that you would anoint your people to be active, Lord God. And anyone struggling with those religious spirit thoughts, Lord God, I pray that you would just make them acutely aware of that and let them focus on people again as you taught us to focus on people. Lord, we do not want to fall asleep at the wheel. We want to give you the wheel to our lives, Father. We give you control. We humble ourselves to realize we are broken people restored when we choose to follow you. And Lord, help us to guide people who have not yet felt that restoration into your presence, Lord God, because your way is the only way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.